the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. I've got uh, David Dahl, my producer to my west. I've got Bill right to my north. And for everyone else on the compass uh, points, the cardinal compass points around the valley, 602-508-0960. is your key to entry. I wanted to follow up on something I was speaking about yesterday based on a New York Times column yesterday interviewing a transgender Republican office holder in New Jersey. She's a city councilwoman in Trenton. The, pro- the profile on this woman, Jennifer Williams, begins this way, quote, she told me that she sees it as her responsibility to fight for trans rights within the Republican Party while working on behalf of her constituents in Trenton. That's the reporter. Miss Williams, the politician, says, quote, I actually believe if you're transgender, One of the most conservative things you can actually do is live your authentic self. But to do that, the government should not be in your business. They shouldn't be in our bedrooms. They shouldn't be trying to tell us who we can be, who we can live as, who we can go to school as. She then says, when asked about whether she attended CPAC last year, she said, quote, CPAC kind of sold their soul to the Trump side of things. It just got increasingly less comfortable, close quote. So the easy thing to dispense with here is the last part. I know if you're a proponent of LGBTQ plus issues, Pete Buttigieg is to you a hero for being what the media calls the first openly gay member of a presidential cabinet. I say what the media calls because he's not actually the first openly gay member of a presidential cabinet. That recognition with a media that actually reported facts rather than wishes would have identified Rick Grinnell of the Trump administration as the director of national intelligence, as the first openly gay member of a presidential cabinet. What's especially interesting about that is twofold. A, I think directorate of national intelligence might just be a wee bit more consequential than secretary of transportation, the post Pete Buttigieg holds. But more importantly, B, intelligence jobs with all forms of security clearances were for decades the places of hiring that LGB people could not be employed by or get jobs in, especially as they would have been subject to blackmail over their lifestyles. And Trump opened it wide up and nobody cared until Pete Buttigieg got a lesser job in the Biden administration, which everyone then said was a first, which it wasn't. There's that magical thinking that takes place regarding Donald Trump where you can just say his name and a cataract of bad and negative concepts can attach regardless of the actual truth. And when it comes to LGBTQ rights, he was probably, Trump, the most progressive of any president in history. But you say Trump and you can get negative attention as this Miss Williams and the New York Times seem to want. But their rhetoric simply is opposed to reality. But the real problems here are the language and the philosophy of what is said by Miss Williams. Many years ago, Alan Bloom put it well. He wrote this way, quote, The heads of the young are stuffed with a jargon 
derived from the despair of European thinkers, gaily repackaged for American consumption and presented as the foundation for a pluralistic society. That jargon becomes a substitute for real experiences and instinct. One suspects that modern thought has produced an artificial soul to replace the old one supplied by nature, which was full of dangerous longings, loves, hates, and awes. The new soul's language consists of terms like value, ideology, self, commitment, and identity. Every word derived from recent German philosophy and each carrying a heavy baggage of dubious theoretical interpretation of which its users are blissfully unaware. They take such language to be as unproblematic and immediate as night and day, and it now constitutes our peculiar common sense. Close quote. In other words, we engage in Kant and tired recitations of pabulum that mean nothing on inspection, but come with and from the language of pseudo-sophistication whose provenance is not American or Western, but Marxist. Bear with, for example, this long-used phrase that the government should not be in our bedrooms, as Miss Williams says. I don't know of any government here that does want to be in bedrooms. This is usually cited in the abortion context, and as I would remind, abortions don't take place in bedrooms either. When it comes to LGBTQ issues, you have to trust me when I say I want nothing to do with or know about what does take place in the bedrooms. As I say, it's Kant. It's insignificant meaninglessness. Tales told by idiots full of sound and fury that actually signify nothing. What is weird to me, and where the shoe should be on the other foot, is most LGBTQ plus advocates want to bring their sex life far beyond the bedrooms. They want them everywhere, as if we don't have rights to protect some of those wares. They want their sexuality on the White House lawn. They want their sexuality expressed in legislative meetings. They want to parade them on our public streets and massive marches and parades. They want them in our schools. They want them in our libraries. They want their sexualities known in gender-specific bathrooms and on athletic teams. In short, there is no sphere, private or public, they don't want them. If it were just the bedroom, these issues wouldn't even be in the news. It's long past time to recognize conservatives or whoever actually wished these things were just behind closed doors, in the bedroom, so to speak, where they have been for millennia. We didn't take them out, and we aren't going in there. As for the government, it is the LGBTQ political force that is using the law and the government to press these things on public streets, in our schools, in our libraries, in our college bathrooms, and on athletic associations, and in our elementary and secondary bathrooms. Not us, but them. As for us, we just want these things to be between parent and child, that is to say, without any government intrusion. It is the LGBTQ movement that wishes to nullify and breach the parent-child bond and use children's services and public schools to interpose itself on these matters when it comes to our children. And don't forget, public schools are government entities. In other words, nothing could be more wrong than that the government is intruding in these areas as a wish or desire of conservatives— it is the LGBTQ forces that is using the government to intrude not just in bedrooms, but homes and houses and schools and public restrooms. Mrs. Williams then says, quote, they conservatives shouldn't be trying to tell us who we can be, who we can live as, close quote. Find me the conservative that is doing so, at least when it comes to adults. 
As for children, the concept of moral education is quite clearly opposed to the expression of the unrestrained or uninhibited self, which is why we have physical and moral lessons and guardrails for children. A child may think he or she is or wants to live as Superman, but we have the obligation as of uh, the obligation as of as adults of stopping that child from jumping off or leaping off of tall buildings in single bounds don't we but trust me again when i say we conservatives want nothing to do with who you are but maybe please think about as adults finding your self-esteem so low that you need to shout to us who you have sex with and the kind of sex you want in every public sphere imaginable from libraries to the white house lawn be who you want to be, or to borrow from Cat Stevens, if you want to sing out, sing out. But just as we don't trot out heterosexual normative X-rated movies and burlesque shows in the public commons, maybe consider it's not so odd that we think it's wrong to do that, whether that is heterosexually normative or not. It's not your LGBTQ affiliations and identities being pushed in the public display we object to. It is the vulgarity. Just because we don't want children, by the way, reading Lawn Boy in school, put it another way, just because we don't want children reading Lawn Boy in school doesn't mean we want them reading Deep Throat for children in school. The objection is the same. It's the same level. The overt sexualization of our children. Ours, not the government's. Trust me when I tell you, because we object to your sexualization of our children with your LGBTQ themes, we spent decades fighting the same thing and protecting children from the same thing when it comes to heterosexually advanced themes with age-inappropriate material. Trust me when I tell you, just leave our kids alone on all sex, yours or Bill Clinton's. As for statements about wanting conservatives to leave you alone to be your authentic self, her phrase, again, think about what self means. If it means parading sexual themes in public, that is not self, that is public. And as for your authentic self, you may want to think about that too. That is not the language of the Republican Party or any form of conservatism I know. The effort of education in conservatism is to improve the self and the soul, not to let it be anything its uncontrolled passions desire. In fact, we who study a little political philosophy here and there know exactly what you are talking about. And it does come with a political doctrine. It's not Republican or conservative. In fact, as said, it's Marxist. That is where the language of the liberated and authentic and uninhibited self comes from. You can call yourself a Republican all day long and hold these views, I suppose, and espouse non-Republican themes. But that does not make you a Republican any more than a man can call himself a trumpet player as he plays the saxophone reading a chart written for the trumpet. But that makes the problem yours, not ours. And your wish to bend 99% of us to your worldview when there is a worldview that 99% of us agree with tells me you should go affiliate with that 1% where your beliefs are sanctified and not try and bend the 99 to yours. It is Marx and Marcuse and others who believe in the unrestrained self. We got this in Marxist feminism with the notion of the personal being the political. Shulamit Firestone was the vanguard of the 1970s radical feminist movement, and her landmark book was, again, just so you can see the Marxist themes here, her landmark book was titled The Dialectic of Sex, The Case for Feminist Revolution. It is there that she writes, quote, the end goal of feminist revolution must be, unlike that of the first feminist movement, not just the elimination of male privilege, but of the sex distinction itself. Genital differences between human beings should not matter culturally, 
close quote. Herbert Marcuse, the Marxist who was brought up here yesterday, wrote, quote, Libidinal claims propel progress toward freedom and universal gratification of human needs beyond the patrocentric acquisitive stage. He would go on to write, quote, polymorphous sexuality is the term we use to indicate that the new direction of progress would depend completely on the opportunity to activate repressed or arrested organic biological needs to make the human body an instrument of pleasure rather than labor, close quote. Alan Bloom, cited above, puts it this way, quote, the insatiable appetite for freedom to live as one pleases thrives on this aspect of modern democratic thought. The expansion of the area exempt from legitimate regulation is affected by contracting the claims to moral and political knowledge. It appears that full freedom can be attained only when there is no such knowledge. The effective way to defang oppressors is to persuade them that they are ignorant of the good. There are no absolutes except freedom, which is absolute, he says. In other words, when you hear the phrase sexual revolution, that's exactly what it is, a propelling of eradicated sexual norms, with one of the eradications being the move from the private to the public sphere. So you can chant Marxist notions, but do us the favor of not telling us your fight and problem is that the Republican Party or conservative movement you belong to is loath to embrace them. Find me any form of Marxism, sexual, labor, capital, familial, economic, industrial, and you will find Republicans and conservatives opposed because that is not our worldview. In other words, you can't be Norman Thomas or Patrice Coulors or Angela Davis, in other words, and register as a Republican and then complain that you somehow feel like you have a a fight that you have to fight within your party because it doesn't accept your views. I'll close with something Harry Jaffa wrote some years back. Today we are told that freedom consists in the liberation of something called the self. Whatever the self desires is said to be good for it, but what is called the self is in truth a human soul, endowed by its creator with reason and with the ability to know right from wrong. The human soul is able, therefore, to learn to find its good and indeed its pleasure in what is right. This is indeed not always an easy doctrine to live by and is certainly not popular on college campuses, but it is nonetheless the only ground upon which the different pleasures can be in harmony with each other and the only ground upon which genuine happiness is possible. In other words, you do you, you be you, but don't expect a party birth in the notions of natural law and natural right and opposed to Marxism to embrace it and change itself to embrace it. And stop too pleased with the worn-out nonsense about us wanting to dictate what takes place in the bedroom. All we want is for you to think about putting your unrestrained, uninhibited, uninhibited sexual projections outside the bedroom. So go be Republicans or go be something else, but don't tell us the problem is the Republican Party when the most important thing to you, the most important things to you, are alien to it from the get-go. We're all for the symphony. But don't tell the conductor that, as a saxophonist, you think you should be in the trumpet section, and that when the trumpet players don't welcome you, that they're the problem, not you. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-5089-60. Yesterday I played audio 
uh, for you of an interview Dasha Burns of NBC did with Ron DeSantis where she was going after him and fact-checking him and trying to fact-check him and really debating him on his abortion policy when he made the point that uh, the Democratic Party doesn't believe in any restrictions on abortion whatsoever, including late-term abortions. And Dasha Burns said there are no Democrats who are saying that, and besides which there are only 1.3% of abortions. Uh, The math of that being that there are far more late-term abortions, about double the amount, as there are uh, any abortions that have to do with rape and incest, which for some reason is a lesser number but of more concern to the left. So I don't know why Republicans can't talk about late-term abortions, which are more plentiful, while Democrats want to talk about rape and incest abortions. But that aside, she said twice, Dasha Burns, interrupting Ron DeSantis, that no Democrats are pushing for late-term or supporting late-term abortions. And as I was playing the audio, I said it's interesting that the audio cuts off because I was playing it straight from NBC, and they just moved on to a different issue. Because you would think that maybe Ron DeSantis, smart as he is, would have a response to that. It doesn't take someone very smart to have a response to it. We all saw it in the Senate gubernatorial debates of 2022, where every Democrat running for office said they would not put any restrictions into the 6th, 7th, 8th, or ninth month, not even after life protection. Well, over at the Federalist, uh, our suspicion was compl- uh, was uh, confirmed. Uh, the interview, as the Federalist reports, against DeSantis' better judgment was pre-taped, meaning the televised segment ended with Dasha Burns' fact-checking of him, or at least argument with him. Thanks to a premature splice by producers, viewers were primed to accept Burns' matter-of-fact fib as reality instead of hearing the governor's further rebuttal to her lies. If you go to the full tape, the one that they did not include, but people got their hands on, DeSantis pointed to states like California, which actually amended their state constitution last year that would easily allow for abortions through all nine months of the pregnancy. California isn't the only state that attempted to do this. Maine, Minnesota, Colorado, New York, Alaska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, and Vermont all have laws or constitutional amendments That includes language allowing abortions throughout the entire period of gestation. So not only was Dasha Burns not being a journalist, but rather a sparring partner, she was also being wrong. Uh, And I, I don't understand why, actually, because it seems like such an easy fact check went for. For, for her to go out on a limb and say, no Democrats are saying this, there is so much tape. I saw in multiple debates in 2022 where Democrats were saying exactly what she said they weren't, which tells me that they just don't know what they're talking about. They just don't know, which shows us an opening, actually, if I'm not wrong about this. And the opening is this. If Dasha Burns simply didn't know that the Democrats did stand for this, Her knee-jerk reaction was to argue with DeSantis that this is taking place, meaning she thinks it's an outrage, meaning she thinks it's such an exaggeration it should be intolerable, meaning if we instruct people on what the Democrats are actually doing when they don't know it, even reporters at NBC, we will win them to our side because they think it's outrageous. They just don't know it's taking place.
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. Great way to reach out to him. And uh, he uh, joins us for our culture and economy update. Happy Tuesday, John. Hey, hey, how's it going? Fine. Are you an iPhone user? I am, yes. Okay, well, surprise for iPhone users. I just saw mm-hmm. that the, <laughs> uh, the new operating system... Yeah that they're just testing in beta form right now. I guess it's going to be operating system 17. They're moving the hang-up button, the end call yeah. button. Big news. It's Well, you know what? It's going to lead to a lot of people not hanging up when they think they're <laughs> or, dead. I, they got to fix the butt dial issue. Yeah, let's start on that. Yeah, let's start <laughs> Rather on than the hang-up. Uh, yeah, let's, let's – <laughs> why are they futzing around with this thing? I, I this think, is going to lead to a lot of problems. I'm telling you right now, it's going to lead to yeah. a lot of problems. I think what's good, though, is, is that if you want to hang up on someone, yeah. uh, but you don't want them to know, you could say, oh, my God, they moved that thing. I didn't realize, you know, now I'm I'm kind of just learning how to use the new phone so you can maybe hang up on someone easier. Yeah, I guess. I don't I don't, uh, I don't, I don't have relationships <laughs> with people like that. Do you John? use an I, iPhone? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do you yeah. use an iPhone? Yeah, I, I have for yeah. a long time. I yeah. started with Blackberry. I just find it easier. It, 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 find it easier than you that. Get, well, Seems, that's the point, that though. Fun. You get used to a certain system. Like people mm-hmm. buy the same kind of car over and over because they're used to the interface and all that. And then they go and do something like this and it just changes it, the whole What's thing. interesting, this is all part of a marketing plan, right? So you got to make something different about the phone to get people to buy it. And it's the same with cars. I if guess. you ever notice when cars make changes, they go through these phases where things are very round, yeah. right, on yeah. a car. Then yeah. all of a sudden years go by and now <laughs> everything looks square. We're back to right. And now we go, oh, that yeah. looks cool because it's, it's different yeah. than what you're used to. Yeah. And then they go back to the round again and then they go to the hard top convertible then the soft top nothing convertible. new under the sun we were warned about this long yeah. ago you gotta know? come up with a different marketing ploy yeah. that's how you get people interested yeah all right talk to me about this dow sheds more than 150 points as moody's bank downgrades uh banks i guess regional banks yeah. yes uh, that's right. So we, we know Moody's, if you've heard of them before. You've yep. got Moody's, Standard & Poor's, Fitch, Comp- Fitch Group, I think it is. These are the big three credit rate, rating agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fitch was the Mo- one that got in the news last week for downgrading. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right. But now Moody's uh, is getting uh, into, I guess, this as well, talking about some of the uh, – the, the smaller banks yeah. we're talking about, you know, we had those, uh, we had Silicon Valley Bank and yeah. we had uh, a couple of the small banks over the past uh, six months or so that had had some real problems. Uh, the federal government had to come in and uh, back those uh, deposits and ultimately uh, some larger banks took them over. And some of the things that I'm hearing about this, Seth, is that um, the larger banks, as they come in and they take over these mid-sized banks or these community banks, is is that the people who were uh, working with these banks and, you know, they're more personalized type of, uh, I guess, attention you get at these smaller banks yeah. if you've ever dealt with one. And it is kind of nice when you walk in and people know you and you can sit down and actually talk with maybe, you know, someone who can give you an answer yeah. or they can get an answer quick rather than when you deal with some of these big banks, you're just kind of a depositor and yeah. a number and mm-hmm. you really don't have any ability to get past the the teller it's a trade up it's a trade isn't it for relationship versus i guess now stability in a way huh 
Yeah, but again, they all have the same amount of back, uh, you know, safety as far as the FDIC, FDIC whether still it's gives the large the same bank. Amount, right, yeah. Yeah, so it really doesn't matter. So um, it's really a comfort level for you. I, I, I kind of enjoy that medium-sized bank, that, that private bank experience rather mm-hmm. than, than being in some of the bigger banks. But so in this particular case, uh, yeah, they've come out and they are now targeting a couple of other um, medium-sized banks stating that there's some challenges here still ahead. and uh, But I think what's going to wind up happening is that it's all, again, attached to uh, the way the banks have been managing their own portfolios, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this, their bond portfolios. Uh, bonds are... Uh, an interesting uh, instrument. It's a debt instrument, right? Bonds are nothing more than you know someone's uh, borrowing money, yep. and you you're going to be paying an interest rate on that money. And there's a term to that money, like any loan. Uh, and this particular interest uh, is a long-term debt at a lower rate, and that's creating some real challenges for some of these banks uh, having these long-term loans on their their books at these much much lower rates than what is actually out there available today. So. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about. We can delve into this, you know, a little deeper if you'd want tomorrow. No, it's well. good. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you for explaining that. I appreciate it. Thank you, JD. Yep. You bet. Bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Tipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, you did so. that to the beat of the of the, of yeah, the band right there. Did you do it. that deliberately, yeah. or is that just the rate? <laughs> you are the. Sir. I think it's just. Yeah, that's how they're you doing. Do. John they're speaks like me. the Miami Sound Machine. Yeah. Now, the Miami Sound Machine's kind of it, my, 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 <laughs> there you my go. tempo. I love All it. Right. Bye. All right. Bye. Come on, shake your body, baby. Do that conga. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hot air. Any worse today than usual in Arizona? Joe Biden's here. He said he went to the Grand Canyon. He said it's one of the nine wonders of the world. Do you know there were nine wonders of the world? It's not even one of the seven wonders of the world. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello. Hello, Mike. How are you? Oh, uh, Seth, seven, nine wonders of the, uh, yeah. the I would like to discuss a tad bit about Oppenheimer. Robert J. J. Robert Oppenheimer. Yes, sir. There you go. I just sent you that picture just a minute ago. But anyway, the uh, on your monologue, as I recall, it was back maybe in the 1990s with Clinton and Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and people coming out of the closet and stuff. Uh-huh. They frequently used a term It says, well, what the people do in their own bedroom is their own business because right. they were concerned with uh, and that. Uh, and I guess in a roundabout way, we could call it a marketing slogan because what it did was get us to drop our guard thinking, yeah, well, that sounds reasonable. Okay, if they keep it there, then, you know, they're not going to be out here. But what they've done is to utilize that to get the people to drop their guard, go to sleep. And now they it's gone way beyond that bedroom stuff they they're taking taxpayers money to go out here and buy thousands of gay pride flags well i mean yes all all of that is so true it's not as if we want to go in the bedrooms trust me we don't (laughs) believe me (laughs) we we don't want to go there but they're the ones that are taking it out of the bedrooms but our opposition would be just the same if it weren't lgbtq practices but even heterosexual uh sexual practices 
We don't want it. We don't want a sexualized public sphere, not in our public schools, not in our public streets, and not, in the, and not on the White House lawn. We just don't want it, whether it's Clinton-type behavior or whether it's the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence behavior. Right. Don't want it. Doesn't don't want matter. it. Keep it in yeah. the bedroom. Keep it behind closed doors. No one knows what goes yeah. on beyond them, and no one wants to. But when, we but, but this is on. yes, exactly. But this is <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. But this is ex- thanks for getting the reference. But this is exactly the Marxist notion that no, you have to understand the personal is political. Unless we can express our uninhibited sexual desires, that is repression. This is a Marxist notion. We're not. I don't. I, we're not having it. I. I we're, we're just not going to have it. No. No, sir. Anyway, Oppenheimer. The. Uh, uh, some of this reference, like I say, I have not seen the movie. I had read the, a book. It must have been B.C., uh, and it was called The Making of the Atomic Bomb. I would say it, it must have been about seven, 800-page book, uh, very, very informative. It goes all the way back in the 1800s, and Madame Curie and all these countries doing experiments and hypotheses and theories and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was a very good, uh, informative book. And there's also one that I've recently picked up maybe about a month ago. It's uh, called Bomb by Steve Scheinkin, S-H-E-I-N-K-I-N. It's more of a newer book of, 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 well, I think it was published in 2012, but it didn't really go back too far in history. It kind of just talked about some of the things that, uh, uh, with the intrigue with the Russians and stealing secrets and, you know, the race to get the bomb and everything like that. So, uh If anybody wants further study, I would highly recommend that name of that one was called The Making of the Atomic Bomb, and it it makes a lot of references. I noticed uh, uh, some of the anecdotal humor in in the book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb, was kind of interesting. Uh, When they were making the uh, Chicago pile there in the squash courts underneath the football field, and uh, Antonio Fermi was the one that was kind of running that experiment, and they had taken graphite blocks and drilled holes in them and put these uh, tubes of uranium in it, and they had it all separated by cadmium shields and everything like that. And he was a new arrival to the United States, and his English, he was still picking it up as a ESL. And it was kind of interesting, so he had made a, a comment of about when they were trying to construct, put place these blocks in there that he had, and they were asking questions of about, well, how do you want us to do it? And he's like, you know, just, just make a pile, just pile it up. And it's interesting that that term with just his expression in his broken English was actually how they came up. And it's a term that they use nowadays. And that's what it's called. Like in the nuclear power plant, it's called a, a, a pile. Interesting. Are you going to see the movie? I do plan on seeing that. Yeah, no. I'm not a real. It's big a long movie one. Fan. It's a long yeah. one. Yeah. Well, it, you know, Lawrence of Arabia is 227 minutes, so it beats it by an hour. And uh, but anyway, so I I think this one's only a one hour movie. So I think I can make three it hour it. movie. No, it's a three yeah, hour movie. Yeah, three just like just like the Seth Leibson show. But yeah, it, but, anyway. but they don't give you intermissions. We give you intermissions. We give you intermissions. Yes, yes. Thank God for that. What, what was the last movie that gave you a real intermission? Might have been Gone with the Wind. Remember, they had a big intermission. 
Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia had intermixed Did it? about okay. halfway through the Did movie. It? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, nineteen sixty-two, uh, I believe. Yes, excellent movie. Excellent. It's an movie. excellent year uh, for movies. Nineteen sixty-two. Hollywood yeah, used you to were, give you. Yeah, I was talking about that the other day. You could Hollywood in one year could give you The Birdman of Alcatraz, Lawrence of Arabia, The Days of Wine and Roses, Divorce Italian Style. Uh, what was uh, what was the, what was the one with with Scout um, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, The Miracle Worker? That was all one year movies we still talk about today. You know, yes. Name me mm-hmm. one movie from last year or two years ago. You can't. I I think they made two thousand mules last year or something like that but that was kind of more of a documentary and not necessarily you know, it wasn't a hollywood movie, movie. <laughs> wasn't done in yeah, hollywood that's for sure uh, but, uh, another funny anecdote about this on oppenheimer after he uh, you know the united states universities back then were really lacking in physics and medicine and everything yeah, right, like that and right. often oftentimes they had to go you know, into Germany or into France right. or England or something like that. To uh, and then when he came back here to the United States, a lot of people wanted to uh, hire him at the universities, and he ended up out at Berkeley. Uh-huh. So he's there at the chalkboard, you know, writing all these formulas and everything on there. And he had made a reference to the uh, to the uh, to the formula that he had written underneath. And one of the students says, well, there's nothing underneath that formula. And he's, no, it's it's the previous one. I've already relate, re- erased it. Mm-hmm. It was the one underneath this one. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, uh, kind of uh, funny as to where... It, yeah, they, no, but it, you're it, right. It, the universities, Mike, the universities didn't take this stuff too terribly seriously. Not until the late 1950s, really, after Sputnik. I remember Rob, um, father of the... Uh, nuclear subs. Hyman Rickover, he was on a Meet the Press, uh, uh, Sunday Meet the Press interview right after Sputnik, and he he gave a big warning, and um, I think think NBC said they never had a Meet the Press with more requests for transcripts than the the, uh, Rickover interview, and that's when we moved and got our butts into gear with the universities and science. Absolutely. Thanks, sir. We'll be right back. Well, we heard about more bank failures. Uh, we heard about the stock market's volatility, and we still have speculation of a potential recession, and we all know what inflation is doing to us. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio, and it's offered to you by Y-Refi. Y-Refi is headquartered here in Scottsdale. Their offices are on Scottsdale Road in the 101. They encourage you to stop by. I've been there. You won't be asked to sign anything. You won't even get a sales pitch. They leave that to me. But when you do meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. What happened to this? Yes, your hand is raised, sir. I got a question. Yes, sir. What's number eight? 
Yeah. Seven Wonders of the World. Yeah. Grand Canyon's number nine. Right. What's number eight? Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think he thought that far. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well, I would like to know what he thinks the seven, the the nine are. Uh, I guess that does beg the question. Yeah, Probably yeah, the original yeah, seven plus seven two more. The original seven plus plus eight and nine. Eighth continent. Yeah. You know, Eighth like continent. Yeah. Can you name the seven? No, I probably couldn't. It's. Uh, I bet we could. Garden. You know what happened on the? Oh, Uh-oh. Bill! Whoa. It's a nice thing to see you, Bill. Please join us. We have a moment. Welcome back. That might Seth, not be plugged in. You might have to double check. I'm here to tell you about the eighth wonder of the world. You touched him. What? Oh, you're right. You're absolutely good. Call. The collective memory here is fantastic. He was known as the eighth wonder of the world. He was Andre the Giant. Oh. And that's how you should and that's how you knew there were only seven because they made him the eighth. And I did. I did pat him on the shoulder. Good memory, Mr. Bill. Thank you. And that's how when someone starts with ninth, you know that they know Andre the Giant. Ah, so to answer David's question, the eighth would have been Andre the Giant. it all makes sense. And now it all comes together. The original seven (laughs) plus Andre the Giant plus the Grand Canyon. Okay, that's the presidency we have here. Now we just need to get a signature petition. Now we just need to get it to make it all real. Well, I think we declared it. So, well done, Bill. We didn't just say it. We declared it. Yeah, we didn't just say it. Well done. You're right. He was. That's totally true. Forgot all about that. Well done. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.